Welcome to the Abroadcast. I'm Derek Bradley. I manage education abroad here at University of the Pacific. This week, our guest is Adriana Ortega, who not studied abroad. She interned abroad in Paraguay last summer. Is that correct? Did I get that right? Summer of 2019. Summer of 2019. So, Adriana, tell us about yourself. Who are you? So, I am a third year here at University of the Pacific. I major, I'm majoring in international relations at the School of International Studies. And have you been abroad before? Is this your first time abroad? I have traveled abroad to Mexico all my life, but my first summer from freshman to sophomore year, I did summer immersion program with the language department here on campus, and I went to Guatemala Very for a cool. month. Very um, cool. So tell me about how this opportunity in Paraguay fell in your lap. The CEO of the NGO that we went to work for. Um, it's a lot of letters. <laughs> <laughs> um, for the Fundación Paraguaya is an alum. Oh. From University of the Pacific. Fantastic. And he was reached out to by Director Heron. And then I was put into contact. I applied. And the main requirement was I had to be fluent in Spanish. Okay. Which I already am. So. Nice. Check. It went from there. Nice. Okay. So tell us about this program. What did you do? Initially, I began doing research specifically for a new pillar that they were working on, focusing on the sector of education within the country, and then hoping to let her later develop it and apply the program um, in other countries and in order to just better the management of education. So what what does this fundacion do? Initially it started with poverty elimination, focusing on microfinances. They have a microfranchise branch. They also now have empowerment of women and it uh, applies it has a tool called poverty elimination stoplight and through that self-assessment and monitoring of people are able to not only manage their life better economically, but also learn how to sustain that and improve their well-being. So what, as an intern there, what did your responsibilities frequently entail? What did a typical day at the internship look like? It changed week to week as we made progress with the new project. I worked with a very focused group Initially, my first week, I did research on language and the study of language as a second language, as a first language, and the differences among that, the pedagogies. And after that, I was able to create comparative lists among different countries and from there have different focuses on the structures of how classrooms are run, what necessities students need and in order to thrive in learning different languages and how to improve from different levels of knowing a language and how that can be applied in schools. Wow, how did you go about doing this research? (laughs) At first, I was assigned to focus on Common Core and how that's done here in the United States, being that in many of our public schools, second language learning is becoming more of a strict requirement rather than just an elective course, starting from um, primary schools in some cases to and continuing through high school and even more in higher education. And so regardless of how we all felt or positively or negatively about Common Core, that wasn't the focus. The focus was just evaluating the approach that Common Core took 
and the effectiveness of it came later in comparison to how the Ministry of Education and Sciences and Technologies monitors their level of language that the students are learning. So you talked to me about how the the internship kind of evolved over time. What was some of the other stuff you did later on? Later on, I started developing the prototype, the first round of the stoplight. Since it was a new pillar focusing on education, specifically language learning, um, we used the skeleton of the poverty elimination stoplight and took some of its components and applied it to what different requirements of language learning were being assessed and uh, applied some new ones and some different ones and tried it tried to make it understandable by the, the different students and the d- different languages that they already know, given that Paraguay is a bilingual country in constitutionally. But of course, there's many more languages given that it has such a large variety of indigenous people. We also included um, differences in the level of learning the, of their native language okay. in prior schools and applied it to the schools that the Fundacion has in Cerrito. So what were some of the most interesting things that you learned through this experience in your research? The most interesting thing, I would say the political component that a lot of people don't think about when it comes to schooling and the education system itself. Here in the U.S., public school is so easy access, I would say. And Paraguay, a lot of the schools are either public, they're private, or a combination of public and private. And the Fundacion, what it has is boarding school, which is completely different, new to the country and more inclusive. Some of the requirements to go into school were more than just test scores. It also had to deal with your adaptability of the lifestyle, given that half of the time you're at the school is hands-on learning and it better prepares students for going into the labor force, aside from the classroom setting that they're in half the time. And so you get a wider mix of students, not just students from the city, but students from rural areas also, and from different countries too, I learned. So So let's say someone's listening to this podcast that is thinking about maybe doing this internship in a future summer. What are the like the best selling points of the work that you actually did? Like what what would entice another student to want to do this program and follow in your footsteps? Other than the connections you make with students and with just your coworkers, given that coworkers are from all over the world, really, I would say how my schooling here, the classes I'm required to take because of my major or otherwise, aided me in being able to do my work. And it's first on hands-on experience, and it gives me a closer look to what I can do as a future. Because I th- know and I think that a lot of students come with a very vague idea of what they want to do with their lives after school. And this definitely gave me a more focused look and like what I want to do for my life and how I can do go about doing that. Tell me a little bit more about the people that you were talking about, people that you met, people that were also on this program. Who were they? What, what was that story? Um, working in the Fundacion Paraguay, there's a lot of interns that come from the U.S., but from all over the U.S. So I've met people that came from Harvard, people that came from Colombia, and people that came from India. And there's just this almost familiarity and knowing that 
my skills are comparable to others, which a lot of people don't really think about much because there's that almost doubt like, oh, how if they come from a name brand school, you know, our school is also name brand and we can make it even more so by showing that we can apply the work and we know how to do it well. And so I think that's one thing. Very cool. Now, how long was this internship? Originally, the internship was set for five weeks. But then after doing the work that I did, the company really liked it. And I was offered to stay a whole five weeks more. Wow, that's awesome. So where did you live? In the first five weeks, I lived in intern housing. And so it was just a house filled with other interns. It was a house, apartment, dormitory? It was How a, would you describe it? It was a house, but uh-huh. the living situation was based on gender. And we had like bunk beds. Oh, so okay. it was shared living for sure. But there was also that space to get to know other people from different countries. Because there was a guy from... Colombia that was living there. There is a guy from Venezuela that was living there. There is Paraguayans living there and as well as Haitians. So I got to meet a lot of different people outside of the workspace, but still feel comfortable because we all spoke English and Spanish and we taught each other a lot of different things outside of just what we needed to do for work. So that was really exciting. What about for the next five weeks? For the next five weeks, I actually moved in with a Paraguayan host family and I moved in with a coworker. And we had kind of like the dorms here, um, one one room, but we were very friendly. We I felt comfortable right off the bat. It was kind of like having a family, so that was really nice. Now, did you cook for yourself the whole time? I actually did, although a lot of the other interns did go frequently to restaurants because of the how cheap it was for compared for us to purchase food there, but I enjoy cooking, so it's a fun teaching moment too, and I can share different recipes from different cultures, so that was really exciting. Now, which city were you in? I was originally in Asuncion, which is the capital city of Paraguay, and I frequently visited um, Cerrito, which is where the boarding school was. How far away? It was about an hour and a half to two hours, depending on traffic and distance. Do you drive? I didn't drive. We took a company car and one of my coworkers was the driver. Okay. Now, what were the hours of this internship? Was it every day of the week? Was it, how did that work itself out? The internship lasted from 8 a.m. to about 5 p.m. Sometimes we would even stay later because we were so immersed in the work and we just lost track of time. There's not really like set times for breaks or lunch which was very interesting because here in the U.S. there's very strict rules and after four hours you can get a 15-minute break or something depending on the state and whatnot and over there they have just communal I've been working for about two and a half hours three hours I'm gonna get coffee or something a little snack snacking is very common So is saying hello to everyone that's present, which is really weird because here it was a lot of high, but general high, and you don't have to talk to anyone really if you don't want to. So it was a very interesting experience. What was a common snack? A common snack for me was empanadas, Mm -hmm. which is kind of funny because I am used to having sweet empanadas all my life. And I never once thought of having savory empanadas. And in Paraguay, they have 
at least from what I saw, only savory empanadas. And so when they said that they have empanadas, I was like, oh, that's perfect. I love empanadas. And then I was taken to a shop and... They're all meat pies. <laughs> they're all, they have um, meat or a lot of them actually were vegetarian, which oh, is very okay. interesting. They're uh, catering more and more every day to different um, eating habits. And a lot of people were trying to get used to that. So that was really cool. But empanadas for sure. What other foods did you encounter that was your first time experiencing? Yuca. Yuca. What is that? So yuca is like a root similar to the potato. We have it here. It's just not something that I ever thought of or knew really much about. And yuca is normally presented at almost every meal in different forms, of course. But it was something I didn't really understood how to eat, whether if it was like the main part of the meal or if it was a side dish. And so that took a little getting used to. And um, something that's really interesting, they drink mate. Mate. And <laughs> it's funny because there's this debate on who really is the originator <laughs> of mate in South America. <laughs> and like other, and like mate is very different. It's called differently when it's hot versus when it's cold. And when it's hot, it's called mate. And it's like, it's custom, it's customary to share from one cup and one straw. And at first I was kind of more reluctant given that in the U.S. we're more like conscientious about sharing things and food because germs, germs. Yeah. And so but I was really quick in adapting and it's actually really delicious. I've never had it before. I had it when I was in Argentina and I really it's not so much that I fell in love with the tea. I just fell in love with the communal aspect of the tea of like sharing it's very welcoming. with each other. It's so, it would almost be rude to refuse it um, oh, yes. because they're just opening themselves up to you to like share. Wherever um, I traveled, um, if it was out on a yeah, table. Strangers even. Yes, yes. I, it was really touching. Um, I, that really made a strong impression on me because we don't have, really have anything, at least that we handle in that way. Maybe something else that I can't think of, but that was a really special attribute. Yeah, I very mean. bonding. Yeah, I like that. Did the company do any, like, excursions or sightseeing, or did you get a chance to go out and see other cities at all? I did get to see other cities. Um, Originally, I was able to go to Luque, which is, like, uh, on the route to Cerrito, and to see the working of the poverty elimination stoplight in all of its phases, given that we're using that as a skeleton for our new program that we're developing. And aside from that, I did go to other sites with coworkers during different times on the weekends, or and we would take public transportation, which was really fun and very different from the U.S. So that was a really what, cool. What were experience. some of your most memorable trips? When I went to, oh, I'm blanking on the name. It's okay. Do you remember <laughs> what it was though? Where you, what you saw? Um, we went to a town where they have a lot of handmade arts and crafts. Oh, cool! Did and you get any? I did bring some back, yeah. and but I think my most favorite is when we went to rural communities, and we went with um, the indigenous people shops that they created and they developed, and so the, we saw how some um, even had like physical stores 
which was very cool to see, seeing the process of development in that regard. And I really liked how things are done because the negotiations and prices was really cool to see and very different because it was very soft and very like suggestive and not like taken aback. So that was really cool. Tell me about some of the people that you met, the impressions that they made on you. So at first, I was very shy, given that it was my first time ever being in Paraguay and I was alone. I didn't go with any other fellow student, but people were very welcoming, very intrigued by how I was as an American, given that there was a wide variety of Americans there and how we were all very different and distinct in our own ways. And so some of the people I met were very talented in like music and dancing and their style of what they enjoy to do on their free time and whatnot. And so that was very interesting because I myself am not <laughs> very talented musically or in, I don't have much coordination either. So <laughs> You're not a so. dancer. <laughs> <laughs> What about local Paraguayans that you met that you have, you'll never forget kind of that encounter that you had? My first encounter with a Paraguayan was with a girl who also lived in the intern house. And she at first seemed very shy. And I think it's had to do with the fact that we quickly, we, when I say Americans, we quickly started speaking English. And at first it was really hard to be aware of the fact that we were speaking English because others in the house only spoke Spanish and other languages. And so we had to almost, it took a, like about like a, like a week for all of us to be like very conscientious and speak the language that we were meant to be speaking and be just aware of that and not be rude about it, you know, because sometimes you say a word or a phrase in English and we giggle, but we, we don't want to like show off like, we're just being disrespectful, right? Because uh, they can't understand. And so she asked me what I was saying and what a phrase meant. So she's like, what does, what are you doing mean? <laughs> because that's a would, great example. When we would, when we'd all get back to the house, we would say, hey, what are you doing? And she would see that the conversation moved very, and it was like a common phrase we would say in the house. And so we taught each other little phrases. She spoke Portuguese among other languages and she would teach me a little phrase here and there. And it was really cool because she was not only practicing English and under trying to understand it in Spanish, but also in Portuguese. And then she taught me some folklore also. So like for me, it's customary to whistle along to tunes. Yeah. Right. And at night, some people have belief that Whistling at night calls to a, a sort of, of an evil spirit. <laughs> and I was outside and I'm whistling along to a tune with my music blasting because I'm very <laughs> music really in Spanish story. nonetheless, but yeah. it's just that not, not being aware of cultural norms and understandings and values. And she comes out and she's she tells me, what are you doing? Stop that in Spanish. <laughs> and I'm like, what? I'm just relaxing. I had a long day today for a lot of reading or something. And I was on a hammock. <laughs> and she's like, no, um, it's disrespectful to wow. whistle at night. And I, and at first I, I didn't understand why. And she explained the folklore to me. And 
I actually found it very interesting because it's similar to some of the folklore I've I know of um, in Mexico. For me, being um, so like ignorant, but not meaning like not purposefully was was kind of like oh like I need to yeah ask more questions. That's a great story. That's fantastic. It reminds me when I was in language school, we used to direct translate "How's it going?" into Chinese. The mayangs we say it all the time, and our Chinese teachers would get so mad at us because that's not a phrase in Chinese. <laughs> you don't say "How's it going?" <laughs> to each other. It just it doesn't exist. So that's fascinating. Did uh, the company give you much of an orientation when you first arrived to kind of help your transition to the culture, or did it just kind of start from day one? Yeah, the first day is dedicated to an orientation, and what I liked about it is the fact that it's very personal. I'm with the entrance coordinator, and the first thing that we did upon arrival was to go to um, the nearest grocery store, and we walked there. So that was really cool. And we're just having this conversation. And obviously, he deals with a lot of people internationally and people that come in. And he was more aware of, like, some of the little things that we did and gave little um, indications on, like, how to go about doing things. For example, um, when checking out at a grocery store, mostly any store, they ask for a tax ID number because that's how they keep track of their taxes. And um, I would have to say that in a certain way that I didn't have one. And then when paying with card, if I didn't have cash on me, I would have to show an ID. And so he's like, these are just customary things that we do. And for example, when we go to a restaurant, there's normally like little tickets when it's a buffet style restaurant. And then they call out your number and you have to tell them if it's for here instead of saying to go. We are normally used to saying, oh, it's to go, to take. And for them, it's like, oh, no, it's for here. We're going to sit down because then that way, then they'll put you in a different like queue and mm. then you get a waiter and whatnot. Interesting. And so, like little things. Like yeah, that. that's really helpful. I'm glad that they did that. Oh, yeah. And like, for example, one, one time I was having a conversation about high fives because it was some people were in, I had this question about like why are Americans so aggressive and smiley? Because when we give a high five, we make sure like we have a good like contact and it's like it's almost kind of hard. And my roommate actually she explained to me that um in Paraguay when they want to agree, they put their they like pinch their fingers together and then they touch the top of the tips of their fingers, saying meaning that they agree instead of a high five. And high fives were kind of a little too aggressive in the way that Americans do. It's like if you were to do a high five or a handshake, it's not about the firmness, but the fact that you make human contact. Mm, And so like it's the different values of how to interact. So what were your biggest kind of takeaways? What impression did this experience leave on you? What, How did it impact you and influence you the most? Initially, I, my first thought would be um, how applicable my skills here and how prepared I felt when starting the internship based on the classes I've taken previously. And it's something that I didn't really think about because 
I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do when I get out of school. And now, thankfully, because of the internship, I'm able to better focus. And now I'm thinking about possibly going in a little bit more into um, education and the development of education, given that I have faced a lot of the same struggles being a native bilingual speaker and the implications that that has with grammar and the just different levels. And secondly, the fact that people are kind in any regard and especially when we put into a house together from people from all over a lot of the differences are not overwhelming and it's a lot of questions of just why certain things are done and just trying it's just that trying to understand and at first I was kind of weary of like oh I don't want to be rude like should I act normally should I change the way I act and but just having communication and trying is what people respect and admire and everyone does it everyone makes mistakes and it was just a nice sense of acceptance throughout the whole time I was there and I, I got to learn a lot about the culture which is very cool and like the differences within the culture and how people interact and the values and how it's different. So like I was there for a holiday and some aspects of the holiday I have never heard of. And so it was really cool understanding how and why people celebrated a certain way and the meaning behind that. And yeah, it was just really. So you have a pretty exciting spring semester planned ahead of you. Why don't you tell everyone what's next for you? Next, I am planning to go to Botswana and the capital there. And the reason I picked going to Botswana was because I have already done Latin America. I sent, I went to Central and South, and now I want to do something totally different and some go somewhere that someone hasn't been maybe in a long time and try to get a very different experience abroad. Tell me how you're going to use your Paraguay experience in Botswana. Well, through my research of Botswana, I also found out that it is also constitutionally a bilingual country and their main language is um, English in regards to the more official paperwork stuff and more like federal dealings. While the second recognized language, it would be, um, I believe it's Swahili. And in Paraguay, the official languages were Spanish and Guarani, which is an indigenous language, just like Swahili. And so just like understanding the fact that English is maybe a more economically driven language for sure that Swahili or like Guarani may be used more locally. And so I think that'd be really cool, especially because my two languages that I'm bilingual in is English and Spanish. So I'll be able to make a lot of comparisons in like how the languages are used, especially because both languages are in both cases are used in school throughout school. And just like, so like I'm more interested in seeing the 
development of understanding both both languages and the fluency that people have in both languages, being in the capital and going outside. Are you planning to take any courses in Swahili? I am not. <laughs> Maybe on the side. <laughs> but I am taking a really fun class. I'm planning on it anyways, it, of Botswana in theater. Ooh, it's going to be so great. I'm so jealous. <laughs> For like the fun aspect and like getting to know how cultural influences are taken in the arts, given that um, in Paraguay, the arts were kind of deprived historically given the dictatorship that they had recently like in the it just ended about 30 years ago and but I'm I'm taking a Botswana poverty and development course which I'm very excited for because it combines the internship that I did in Paraguay and some of the classes I'm taking now when I came back very cool well, thanks to all of our listeners out there. You can find more information about study abroad on our website, go.pacific.edu slash pacificabroad. You can follow us on Instagram at pacific.abroad and Facebook at pacificabroad. Thanks to Pacific Tiger Broadcasting and Camille Khalili, our producer. Thanks to Adriana for being with us today. And a reminder to all of our listeners, you can afford it, you can graduate on time, and you can go. So come find out how by visiting us in the Bechtel International Center. <laughs>